Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. Hey, hello. Few things before I get to today's introduction. In less than two weeks, I'm heading to Munich, Germany for Munich Jewelry Week and I'm bringing the podcast with me. I'll be exhibiting with the JV Collective. That's the collaborative contemporary jewelry studio I'm a part of here in Philadelphia with five other amazing women. Our show is entitled Sirens, and although I don't feel my adornment directly references that theme, my role as a siren has been through this podcast. It's been my way to talk to the people about the subjects that I feel don't really get attention usually. Like, how do you pay your taxes? Or are you actually making a living off your work? So, perceived value is going international. And for those who will be attending, you'll be able to find me and my microphones and the JV Collective at our gallery space, which I can't pronounce correctly, so I I'm going to put that information in the description of the podcast. I encourage you to stop by, see our work, and if you have the time, you know, spend a few moments with me on the mic sharing why you're at Munich Jewelry Week and why this experience is important to you. Or, you know, we can just talk about jewelry. Really anything goes. Just stop by, put on some headphones, speak into the microphone clearly, and you'll be on perceived value. For more information regarding our exhibition and Munich Jewelry Week, like I said, look in the description of the podcast. Have you ever come across one of those Instagram profiles? You know, the ones I'm talking about, where it's some young, beautiful person traveling the world, posting photos of themselves in all these exotic places, hashtagging things like follow your dreams, live authentically, or my personal favorite, Wanderlust. Wanderlust? Wanderlust. Whatever. My first thoughts are usually, do they have a trust fund? Or maybe, do they have a job that enables them to travel so much? And, you know, we'll never see the photo of them jet-lagged, angry, trying to find the right adapter so they can plug in their laptop for that important conference call. I don't want to come off negative here, more power to you if you want to travel the world and share your experience. I mean, I would do the same if I could. I just wish more people, you know, would share the details, such as what are their traveling expenses? Or did they sell their house so they could travel in Southeast Asia for two years? Well, today's guest, he is not hashtagging wanderlust all over the globe, but he has been a wanderer. In the past few years, he spent plenty of time at craft schools, and as of recent, he's been traveling between residencies. I sat down with this contemporary jeweler during Pentaculum to gain some insight as to how he's making this 
nomadic lifestyle work and discuss the residency he recently completed at the Mississippi State University. I want to give a thank you to Kreitz Campbell for creating this opportunity we're going to discuss today and for allowing my guest to be so transparent about his experiences financially. So please welcome Brian Parnum. At some point it's going to coincide with Tuesday karaoke night and then all hell's going to break yes. loose. Which is pretty amazing. That'll be great. Um, so I'm sitting here with Brian Parnum, and Brian is a contemporary jeweler. He is a friend of mine. I met him at Penland a couple years ago, and then I invited him to Pentaculum, where we are right now. So he's a participant. And the next year, I think Jaden Moore was going to be my assistant for mm-hmm. Pentaculum because there's a little. So the whole thing with Pentaculum is you can only come once. And then you never get to come again, except for except a, for me, <laughs> except except for Brian because he's special. Um, but the loopholes, and one loophole is coming back as an assistant, and it's really nice to have an assistant who's been here before because they kind of get the vibe and what is yeah. going on throughout the week. Um, and the other loophole is to come back in a different studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. if you come for wood one year, you could come for textiles a different year, which is good to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is your second year being my assistant Mm -hmm. and it's really great. You're so good. (laughs) There's not a whole lot for me to do. I just feel like being, just being in the studio and, uh, yeah. I mean, if somebody needs something, I just go find it. Yeah. No biggie. Yeah. No, a big part of it is just being present in there because I run around and do a bunch of stuff throughout the week. So it's a nice tag team. Yeah. And you're, you're fun. (laughs) Yeah. It's a fun person to have (laughs) be around, you know? Um, so you're at Aramont. Where do you live right now? Um, so I have been bouncing around uh, the East Coast pretty much all year. Um, I finished up the core fellowship uh, last February. So mm-hmm. that was home for, I guess it was a little more than three years. I did mm-hmm. concentrations and then the fellowship. And then um, when that ended, I, I was kind of like, you know, out on my own and uh took the opportunity to travel the womb yeah (laughs) just like booted back into the real world yeah um so i uh i did a residency and i um house sat for some friends with studios and i Mm -hmm. um yeah traveled around uh my home base is my uh where my parents live where i grew up uh in forest virginia oh yeah that's right you're a virginia boy yeah so I'll, i'll like go do a little thing go back go away do a little thing come back and that's that's nice because not a mm-hmm. lot of people have that yeah i was talking with a resident um one of the current residents right now and she's like i moved here with all my furniture and they're like oh yeah. you brought so much stuff and she's like well this is where i live yeah right now yeah i've had my oh. whole life in the car pretty much all year yeah which, which is just studio stuff it's like i don't have i got one suitcase of clothes and then the rest of it's just you know rectifiers etching solution <laughs> And jump shears and yeah. just like all kinds of hand tools and stuff. And but you can do that right now. I mean, where did you go to undergrad? You have a degree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to VCU. Oh, okay, in Virginia. Did you do that because VCU's program is so highly known, but also because it was in Virginia, so it's cheaper? Well, I had originally not planned on going to college. I I drew pictures and I liked art, mm-hmm. but I didn't think it would be my livelihood or something I would pursue. Um, and then, uh, I guess towards the end of high school, um, 
I found out that my grandfather had saved up uh, in a bank account for all of my schooling. Money, wow. money saved, earmarked for school. So it was all sort of laid out in front of me, and um, I couldn't not go. So And you had no idea until towards the end of I high school? I just never really thought about it. I didn't. I it didn't have an idea like, oh, I want to go to, I want to go to school because I want to do this thing. Yeah. So I kind of figured I would maybe take a year off. Maybe I wouldn't go to college at all. Yeah. Um, but my parents were like, yeah, you, you got this bank account. You got to, you got to go. So I figured I would, I'd go for art. And, um, my joke is that I got tricked into taking it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Haven't we all? No. Yeah. That's great. And so, man. So did you not have to have a job? Like, did your grandfather save that much money so you just went to school? You didn't yeah. have a job? No loans. No loans? Oh, God, that's such I worked, a gift. I worked uh, for a year while I was there, um, but that was just, like, paying for rent. and. Yeah. Yeah. Man, props to Grandpa. Yeah, yeah. What a cool guy. For Some foresight, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you graduate, mm-hmm. and what would you do after you graduated? Um... I stayed in Richmond for maybe eight months or so. Um, I applied to everything that I could find. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing came up. It was just um, uh, application after application, rejection after rejection. And eventually I um, the applications came around for uh, core fellowship and work study at Penland. Mm-hmm. And I applied to both of them. I had heard that you don't get core your first time so yeah. i applied once with <laughs> try try again yeah, I, yeah. I applied once with no hope of actually getting it but um i ended up getting work study mm-hmm. um and sort of found a home at penland and, and it felt it felt great there and i knew it was somewhere i needed to spend more time you i mean so i met you you applied during one of the years that i was a core fellow and mm-hmm. we have a part of the application process so yeah i had seen your work and read your application and then you did get work study, and it's funny, we get the roster, and we're like, oh, that Brian Parnum guy is coming. Um, and it's interesting, your your impression of somebody from their application to who they are in person. Mm. And I feel like with a lot of people at the core fellowship at Penland, for sure, um, yeah, it's like, try keep applying. Like, some yeah. people, my mentor didn't get in until her third try. Um, and it really helps to come to Penland if you want to be a core fellow, yeah. like what you did. Yeah, I knew it was somewhere I wanted to be. Um, so I, um, I, I I had to work a lot harder to get the money together to go to Penland than I did for college. So yeah. I, I did a, uh, I had savings for one concentration. And I went and I did that, and then I was like flat broke. I yeah. didn't even have gas money to get home how much is a concentration i have no idea with work study i think it's four thousand around there wow and that's i mean but that's four months no no no, two months yeah and your class food and food and housing yeah Yeah. but you still pay a studio fee on top of that then yeah so i had no money for (laughs) i had no money for gas home i couldn't pay my studio fee um and then i think i don't know if it was that year or the the concentration afterwards but the the show and tell um coincided with the board meeting so mm-hmm. there's more people than usual yeah and i ended up selling everything i made and that covered my studio fee and my uh. gas money home and then i worked landscaping you know until i had enough money to go back yeah you're i was like oh brian's back again hey <laughs> yeah. um and then you applied again and i was really excited for you because once you get to know people mm-hmm. and you work with them and see them in the studio, 
um, you could just tell how much you really wanted it. Yeah. It's, so. yeah, I, I couldn't feel more uh, honored to have been a part of it. It was the best thing I've ever done. So, so you just finished up mm-hmm. and transitioning out of that program is real hard because mm, yeah. you only make <laughs> you guys so it's so prestigious and you get so much from it it's a work exchange mm-hmm. but your stipend is what is it fifty three dollars and fifty two cents every it's two next weeks to nothing yeah it's, yeah uh, financially it's it's difficult to be there for the for the fellowship um but i was lucky enough to get into the gallery and um make sales that way and that sort of kept me afloat yeah i really learned a lot about just hustling i mm-hmm. know yeah when I was a core fellow, my grandfather was really sick and I was like, I have to get home to see him, but you have no money. And I remember Leslie Noel being like, well, you got things to sell. Yeah. And I remember I made, oh my gosh, you bought something from yeah, me. Yeah, it was on the dye shed porch. Um, yeah. I got a, uh, like a screen printed. Hanky. Um, hanky, yeah. Oh, you guys, like I made enough money from that little sale to buy yeah. my plane ticket to get to see my grandpa. Um, it's pretty magical mm-hmm. when people know you need to sell things to get something they they step up for you yeah well it's a great um uh, community of people that are all interested in the same thing so yeah. making sales is not as difficult when everybody sort of has the same mindset yeah and so that's something i've i've missed since i've left i mean there's there isn't the same support that i had while i was there but um there's also you know i can't rely on the sales from uh, the coffee shop or the gallery the yeah. same way I could when I was there and I could promote myself. Yeah. Cause yeah. for those listening um, for core fellows, there's certain ways the school does try to help facilitate. Like you can get into the Penland gallery, which sells work really well. And then also there's a coffee shop on campus and there's a core fellow gallery there and you guys get a hundred percent of that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the gallery even gives you like a lower percentage of what they take or something like that. Yeah. It was, a, it, was it wasn't 50 50. It was like, yeah, it's like 30, 70, something, yeah, something, like something really low, which yeah. is great. Um, so then, so you've been hopping around since core. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of did the same thing. Like when I left Aaron Galligan's like, oh, you're broke and you have nowhere to live and you don't know what you're doing until yeah. you hear back from applications. It's hard because it's a weird time to move out. You move out in February mm-hmm. and it's just kind of in between the residency schedule. Yeah. In terms of like when they start and things like that. So I, I squatted in her studio for two months in Seattle. That's great. Um, and you, did you house it right afterwards? I think, or what'd you do? Yeah. I think I moved and see, I moved all my, I guess I just moved all my stuff back to my parents' garage. Yeah. And then, uh, then I went and house sat for Lola Brooks and, uh, which is <laughs> she let me use her studio for pretty a month. cool gig to get yeah <laughs> yeah um and you came and visited me in philadelphia yeah i came to philadelphia i went up to new york mm-hmm. um um yeah i was in Asheville for a couple weeks um, nice yeah. just catching up relaxing yeah i think you ju- you just really need a deep exhale when you leave that program yeah it's hard to uh one of the most difficult parts for me was feeling like I was losing the momentum I had gained while I was there. Yeah. So I applied to a, a load of things that I didn't get and it felt like, oh, I'm behind now. I missed the whole cycle of residencies. Yeah. Um, but I was fortunate enough to be invited to uh, the uh, Wingate Emerging Craft Person Residency in Mississippi. 
So, yeah. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about because I've known Kreitz Campbell is there and Mm -hmm. he was a core fellow like how long ago? It's a hot a minute while. ago. Yeah. A hot minute ago. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to date him, but yeah. he was he was a core fellow with Leslie Noel. Um, and I know like previous core fellows, two which I were, they were in my same year, mm-hmm. Angela Eastman and Audrey Bell went and did this residency together there. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same exact thing, but I remember seeing them there. Yeah. So this residency is a, is a pilot. It's um sort of being tested out. It's brand new. Mm-hmm. Um. And he had he had got funding for three years, so Audrey and Angela were the first people to do it. Um, I think they were there for a shorter amount of time. Um, they were there in a different part of the year, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Kreitz recently uh, joined the uh, board of directors at Penland, so he was around just as I was about to leave. Yeah, and I knew about the residency. I talked to Audrey and Angela about it, and they had a great time, and so I kind of kept pestering him and talking to him about it and sending him emails yeah i mean that's how you do it yeah and a lot of it is like yes many opportunities are application based you're going to turn it in and mm-hmm. whatever and it's going to be pretty black and white but there is a lot more to it than that um yeah it's a lot of like who you know do you connect with somebody follow up yeah um i always tell people they're like well how do you get to do the things you do it's like oh i just remember people's names and write them thank you cards and emails and keep yeah. in touch be nice work hard yeah be nice work hard and it pays off and yeah i found myself in a tiny cabin in maine for the summer because of that yeah um so you never know so how long so Kreitz then he reaches out and he invites you for yeah. this residency well it's funny actually um Kreitz was on sabbatical at penland he had rented what's now the Flex Studio mm-hmm. um, during a concentration when I was a work study. Oh, I remember that because I was a core fellow. Yeah. That's how I got to know Kreitz so well. Yeah. So he, he was making work in there that just blew me away. And I would kind of like kept tabs on him and did research and realized the techniques he was doing were interesting to me. So once I had, um, once I had gained some skill set to start working in a vein kind of similar to his, yeah. Um, which is what? What is that? Well, he does marquetry. So he, he makes, uh, at the time, he was making pictures um, of houses and uh, southern landscapes mm-hmm. from wood. And it would be thin veneers that are cut up and put back together. It's a technique called marquetry. Okay. Um, and I liked the graphic quality of that, and uh, but it didn't particularly uh, like wood as a medium. Mm-hmm. and want to be constrained to uh, shades of brown. Yeah. So, um, when I was a core fellow, I took a concentration or um, a summer class with Jack Motch, who mm. also does marquetry, sort of really in a more good. <laughs> in a more traditional way. Kreitz's um, take on it is a little bit more dimensional. It's got some thickness to the the pieces that are uh, puzzled together, um, and I liked that the technique could be something that um, uh, you could sort of change to suit your your needs Mm -hmm. so what i started doing was um soaking paper and resin to make a thin veneer whose uh, color and consistency i could control yeah um and so i I was particularly interested in doing this residency with him because uh he made things with a technique that i was interested in oh okay that comes together and it's also interesting because you know i follow your instagram feed Mm -hmm. so you post a lot of really great process shots 
also guys he's on instagram at brian parnum it's a really great feed to watch um but i didn't realize i mean i noticed it was paper i couldn't really tell what was going on there it's cool that you're soaking it in resin to create that it's a technique that i've only had uh i mean i've been working on it for a couple years um while i was at penland but this time during the residency was really good for um doing some more research with it and yeah and it, did it's very cr- much separate from my metals practice. I mean, I sort of want to be able to bring it all together at some point. But mm-hmm. um, the time I spent there wasn't metalsmithing. I mean, I, I brought all my stuff and I did do some. I mean, I fulfilled some um, uh, some commissions and yeah, did some 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 jewelry while I was there. But I was mostly focused on two D mm-hmm. um, making pictures. I did notice that because mm-hmm. you documented your progress there really well. Was Kreitz there? Was he someone where you could ask him, like, did he have studio meetings with you, or were you just, like, an independent artist on your own? Um, well, the way the residency is set up, I guess the motivation for it is uh, uh, more important. Um, they have uh, they have undergraduates, um, but they don't have grad students. So mm-hmm. Kreitz's thinking with starting this residency was he wanted somebody um, who has done their undergraduate, has had a little experience, um, that can be around this, the undergraduate students and sort of fill the role um, uh, the role of a grad student for the undergrads. So like when I was yeah. an undergrad, I looked up to the grad students and they mm-hmm. were somebody I could like talk to and um, ask advice from. Be an example of someone yeah. who's been in the field yeah. working hard with a studio practice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a great way to think about it. So all that was really asked of me was just be there and work (laughs) hard and be available to the students. And, um, I ended up teaching a couple classes while I was there. Um, uh, he was, he was doing mostly furniture with his students Mm -hmm. and that's not my expertise. So it didn't make a whole lot of sense for me to teach a lot, but I did a couple, um, did a couple classes of his that was really good okay so he invites you out what is the length of the residency it was three months okay so it's three months um the first time they the first year they did it i think it was quite a bit shorter yeah Um, but this one was was for three months and i was there most of the semester so i got to know some of the students a little bit and so what is housing like they give you housing and housing was great um they put me in a a brand new dorm building that Mm has uh resident apartments on the ground floor so i had a oh. i had a um uh, kitchenette i had my own entrance so it wasn't like it wasn't like a dorm yeah you didn't feel like you're like bunking yeah. with the students yeah i didn't have any roommates or anything but yeah it was like i had a washing machine and a dishwasher and full kitchen and so then did TV. you have did they give you a stipend for food to cook or did they let you eat in the dining hall um yeah the money was uh really great there's a um there's a six thousand dollar stipend um, that paid for my travel down there and yeah. my travel back. Um, yeah, put me up in housing. Um, I paid for a lot of my materials, which was really cool. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So, but you didn't wait. You didn't answer my question. Did you cook your own food, or did mm-hmm. they give you yeah. like? Oh, I, yeah, okay. I cook, cooked my own food, um, but used uh, you know some of that stipend. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it wasn't it wasn't uncomfortable by any means. Yeah, no, that sounds yeah. fantastic. It was know. probably the best ho- housing I've had in <laughs> I don't know years. Yeah, yeah. I had a dishwasher. I haven't had a dish. I've never had a dishwasher. <laughs> You're like I'm washing all the dishes. There's a TV in there. Yeah. It was, yeah. I'm like, mm, 
I want just want to bite a peanut butter. I'm uh-huh. going to use a clean spoon because I don't know how to wash it. Yeah. <laughs> so those kind of things. Um, okay. So then with, with the interaction with students, so you're here and it's, you're a, an example, um, of a working artist. Mm-hmm. I've been to another university, um, Longwood university that I feel like has a similar residency. And the funny part to me was I met, I was there as a visiting artist and I met with the resident artist. Um, and he had this studio that was all glass windows around him. So I felt like, like a he fishbowl. Was, yes, he yeah. was kind of a fish in a fishbowl and he didn't mind it. And, you know, the purpose of it is that students can walk by and see him mm-hmm. working and what's happening in yeah. there. What was your situation like, like your studio? Um, so my studio space was um, what Kreitz had used as his studio before he had built his own on his own property. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a small room that uh, is adjacent to his office inside the wood shop. So it's a sculpture studio. Um, uh, there's a ceramic studio right next to it, and then there's um, some steel working area, and then there's a big wood shop, mm-hmm. and then just off of that, there's Kreitz's office and the small studio space for, for me. Oh, nice. So were you allowed to use the equipment in the mm-hmm. studios? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, so the program is sort of best suited for um, uh, steel working or woodworking, mm. um, 3D material sculpture okay. setup. Um but I was making 2D work, so I did all my, uh, cut all my panels and built all the frames and everything in the wood shop. Oh. Yeah. And so I know, I mean, Angela's kind of a sculpture-based artist, and same thing with mm-hmm. Audrey's work is sculptural or these, like, dioramas. And do you think in the future maybe they would have, like, a, do they have clay there? Is that? Yeah, there is a ceramic studio. I don't know how involved, um, the residency would be with them since Kreitz is running it. He's the, uh, this is his brainchild. Yeah. He's the head of the sculpture department, but there is, there is, um, ceramics right next door. So I think that they have that as a possibility. Okay. This makes a little bit more sense to me. Like he's the faculty that Mm -hmm. is securing the funds for this and it's kind of focused on his department. Yeah. Oh, and the way he's thinking about it is using the core fellowship as a feeder, program for this residency so as long as he's going to be running it at least the so the next year that happens is still going to be part of the pilot series of them to try and figure out some of the specifics and the details and so he's going to keep pulling from the pool of you know core Core fellows fellows. yeah because it's people he knows people that he you know it would be easier to deal with well and i think he also can speak to the work ethic Mm -hmm. around it because yeah core fellows aren't lazy yeah (laughs) you can't be a core fellow and be lazy um And when you're doing a pilot program like this, I mean, with any residency or whatever, not everybody that gets a residency goes to the residency and kills it. Yeah. You know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you might get a dud. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. Um, So I can see where his thought process with that is like, he knows the type of um, worth ethic they're going to have. Yeah. Yeah. And so three months, what, so you did teach, did they pay you separately to teach? Were they like, well, no, it was just, it was part of, part of the, the part thing. of the class yeah. but you weren't required to do that um like is there a list of re- some you know residencies so like, while like I, yeah while i was there i there wasn't anything like written that was like you have to teach this number of hours there wasn't any timesheets or anything yeah it was just um great to ask me it was like hey, i have some I have some free days to do like a fun thing with the students would you like to would you like to teach for a few days and so I yeah. Did, yeah and then i did some slideshows and 
talk to a few different classes around campus. Yeah, like presentations, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. Um, I did, did I recall that you did have an exhibition? Yeah. Um, they have what's called a one night only show and it's a series of shows that the students put on and it would oh. be, um, uh, it's it's part of the the room that they hold it in is part of the studio. It's like the steel fabrication area. Mm-hmm. Half of the room is all tools, and then the other half they like built uh, a gallery space. So it's like hardwood floor and drywall. What? It's a really funny little like uh, cross section room, half gallery, half steel working area. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, so I I had planned to make fifteen pieces that. Um, that I would show there. And so, yeah, we had one night, um, event where people came out as a lot of students to see the work and yeah, hang it and photograph it and talk about it. And it's cool. great. Sounds like a cool group of kids. Yeah. It's fun. Kids, Pfft, they're grown adults. Let's yeah. be real. <laughs> um, so wait, remind me of the name of the u- university one more time. Is uh, it Mississippi Missis- state? Okay. So where is that besides uh, obviously Stark- Mississippi, Starkville, Mississippi, Starkville, Miss what, uh, where's yeah. that? <laughs> Is it a small it's town? Like, uh, I mean, it's a big university town. The school's well known for football. Um, yeah, of course. The stadium is like right across the street from the studio. Wait, is that Ole Miss? Like the O L E? No, that's no, not that's the different one. Yeah, still, still Mississippi. I think it's further away. I don't know I don't if know. I've actually ever been to Mississippi. Yeah, I don't think I had. And to be honest, I didn't do a lot of exploring. I kind of, yeah. you know, s- didn't stray from the path between uh, the apartment and the studio. Yeah, and the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Starkville. But, like, did you like it down there, would you say? Yeah. Um, the sort of downside for me was without that grad school age student, there wasn't um, much of a community for me. Oh, it yeah. It was, like, undergraduate students and, and then professors. Yeah. And I didn't have a, nearly any social interaction while I was there, yeah. which is fine with me. That was that was great. You're the type of person that would be fine with that, though. Like, yeah, I yeah. like keeping my head down and being in the studio. Absolutely. Um, but I think like Audrey and Angela doing that residency together was really great because they had that. They had each other to like bounce ideas off of and like be in the studio together. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, in the future he might be trying to have it as a doubles thing or yeah, yeah, at least ha- have like two at a time. I would struggle with that because I'm extremely social person <laughs> yeah yeah like a weekend i'd be like okay i need to make some friends <laughs> yeah did yeah. you hang out with kreitz much he seems so cool yeah kreitz is a is a great guy we actually went went on a um like a boating vacation sort of thing with his high school friends he what? grew up down there yeah yeah so we went out on the river and like boated and it's a good time that's cool yeah, he turned 50 while i was there oh he had, yeah he had a big birthday party oh my gosh that'd be so much fun to hang out with him yeah um, what were the students like? Did you, is there any students? I mean, I feel like you're coming into this re- residency and you're an example of a working artist, but did you find that you found yourself in a mentor kind of role with anyone? Um, I didn't make as strong a connection with the students as I would have liked to. Um, and why do very, you think that is? Oh, it's a, it's a very small program. It's yeah. mostly a, I think an engineering and an agricultural school. Okay. So the students are I don't want to I mean they're not bad students they're just like they're, but it's not they're their not, focus they're not competitive the way 
uh, students were when I was an undergraduate at VCU. Well, VCU is known for their sculpture and craft designs. Right. Like, I feel like maybe Mississippi, it's like students are like, oh, there's sculpture. I'm going to try this out. And then they kind yeah. of fall into it a little bit more. Yeah. There was a number of students that I could tell were the standout ones that yeah. you know got it and were excited about it and wanted to be there as mm-hmm. much as possible. But quite a few of the students seemed to, you know, it was, I'm going to show up for the hours of class and then I'm, and that's it. I'm not going to yeah. spend extra time here. I'll pull all nighter when I have to finish my project right. for the deadline kind yeah. of students. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fair. You yeah. can do that. Your money. Yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing. When you think about that, like the students that are just slacking and not really trying, you're mm-hmm. like, damn, you're paying like $5,000 like yeah. a semester to be a slacker. Think yeah. about that. Yeah, I, and I wasn't uh, like out in the wood shop as much as somebody who, uh, say, somebody was making furniture in that residency. Yeah, they would be, you know, out on the benches, like working uh, out more out in the open than I had. I was doing a yeah. lot of research and I was drawing a lot, and I was, you know, kind of cloistered in the in the smaller room off of the wood shop. And that's where going back to that whole fishbowl kind of thing, like I understand why a university that, you know, they had specifically built that studio for Mm -hmm. that purpose. So I get that, that accessibility to the artists. Yeah. What Kreitz really wanted was someone that was just going to be there um, a lot to show what kind of work ethic is involved with um, making a body of work. And you're a great person for that. Like you really do. Yeah. So hopefully my impact was, uh, substantial but it wasn't like a conversationally based thing it wasn't um, yeah yeah I wasn't a mentor to any individuals mm-hmm. I was just uh, around yeah working hard that's I mean I kind of like the idea behind this residency yeah I think it's a I, I think it's a good step for their program I yeah. think the more that they can bring people in for things like that the better yeah build up the program mm-hmm. make it a place where people do want to go right and seek it out for sculpture and whatnot because mm-hmm. Kreitz is a hidden gem man he's so yeah. good yeah um yeah they all th- one of the classes he was teaching made Tay Fried chairs um I don't even is, know what that is he I mean he's a furniture designer but it's like it's really advanced chair yeah and they spent all semester making it and it was I mean I, n- I never did anything like that when I was in in school doing furniture yeah how was it to having gone to undergrad and then been out of school and whatnot I mean I kind of I think we've talked about this before like going back to Penland is kind of weird because you're like the senior or you're the college freshman coming back for senior prom or something yeah Um, how is it like being on a campus in that regard again well I still look like I should be an undergraduate (laughs) student so that that was kind of tricky the few classes I did teach um they're like how old are you what do you <laughs> why am i listening to you you look like a, like the same age i am yeah um so that was a little difficult i kind of had um some nerves about being taken seriously mm-hmm. um while i was there I, I also went to um uh went to little rock and saw david clemens and he had invited me to teach a workshop there Aww. so it was still kind of the same experience as like i went there and <laughs> i was literally younger than all of the students like he has a, a lot of older students and yeah and he has younger students too but they were still like late 20s and mid 20s and <laughs> so that was something to get over is you know try to trying to educate people and feel confident about it even though 
they're all older than me. And that's something that, especially since we both have such strong connections to craft schools, like yeah. when I taught at Aramont, um, majority, I think there was a class, yeah, everybody in that class was a, no one was under the age of 40. Yeah. You know, and I'm a 30 year old teaching like a 60 year old how to use a torch. It's just interesting because you know that they have so much more life experience and knowledge right. in certain ways, yeah. but you're just teaching them this, this one specific thing. Yeah. Um, and they need to respect you in that regard and listen to you. And I don't have um, much experience, but I don't have, uh, let me take that back. I don't have any experience teaching. So all of this yeah. that I did with this residency and also going to um, Little Rock was brand new. Yeah. Me, it's scary. Are you liking it though? Like your first? I'm not a teacher. Yeah, I don't think I'm much of a. I enjoyed it uh, yeah. while it was happening, but it was it was exhausting. Um, it was like really, st- I I felt very stressed about like imparting knowledge and kind yeah. of I didn't like it. Yeah, I always feel like who am I to be teaching? Right. Like, yeah. You know? There's some insecurity to it, and oh yeah, yeah. I'm super insecure. Like I'm sick to my stomach the night before I teach. I hate it. Yeah. But I do it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It was validating, and in that regard, I liked it. And I liked being being able to impart my own knowledge, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a teacher. That's good to know. I mean, have you yeah. ever given thought to actually teaching? Like, No, a, I've never wanted to, to be a, like an academic teacher. Yeah. I, I would do workshops. That would be fun. Like, yeah, so like workshops. Like yeah. I, I have not submitted an idea to teach at Penland because mm-hmm. I'm just I'm too intimidated. It's like, I yeah. love you, Penland. I'm not ready. I'm teaching a weekend workshop here at Aramont. Yeah. And it just came out in the, the catalog and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, like I'm in the catalog. Um, and I'm all grown up terrified and it's a <laughs> two day class and it's like such an easy topic to teach beginning yeah. setting, but I'm still really nervous about it. Yeah. Is that something that you think you'd want to do? Like teach at places like this eventually? Yeah. Down the line, I, I definitely would. Um, your work also, I think it's easier for people to create workshops when they have work that is that would fit a workshop kind of format. And yeah. you have a really strong focus skill. Yeah. So the workshop I did uh, at Little Rock was etching. Yeah. Etching. Like you are killing it at that and you're becoming yeah. somebody that's known for it. Yeah. Well, all of that. I mean, I have to I have to give all the credit to Ben Dory for the research he did. Yeah. And he... Um, introduced me to that technique but yeah because ben dory he's down at savannah college of art and design mm-hmm. he went to grad school at siu carbondale and i think that's when he really focused in on this technique right it's the saltwater etching uh it's cupric nitrate but it's electrolytic Kubrick. the same way that saltwater etching is oh i didn't yeah. even realize i, th- I thought it's it was salt water that you were different doing chemical yeah oh see yeah i don't even know you mm-hmm. should you should teach a workshop and i'll take it <laughs> He's like, I'm going to uh, kill you. <laughs> last year, I demoed um, that technique to all the people here at Pentaculum. Yeah, I was you there. Not, I was you there. were there. Okay. Yeah, I just, yeah. just didn't retain it. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I haven't, I don't etch and yeah. I don't have the setup. So it's like, I watched you demo, but, you know, it's different in a workshop where you can dive yeah. in and try it yourself and make samples. Yeah, I would, I would like to do workshops more the ones I've done so far is um, I did a, a one day workshop at UGA when I was down there and then I did um, this weekend one um, at, at Little Rock yeah and so I don't have a load of experience with it but the, the more the more I get to do it I'm sure the more comfortable it'll be yeah absolutely yeah um, 
Okay, so that ended. Now you're at Pentaculum, which mm-hmm. is great. It's like our weekly get to hang out with each other. Yeah. Um, where are you going after this? Um, so I'll go to, um, I'll go back to Poundland for two weeks, and then um, a friend of ours is starting a residency in New Mexico. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go out to Silver City after that. So I'll be there all of February. So is your intention just to keep popping these smaller residencies until you land like a bigger one or what's going on there? Um, I'll go anywhere that'll have me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do, I do a lot of applications, um, and a lot of rejection and I'm not tied down anywhere because I want, yeah, I do want to travel, uh, go new places, um, Mm -hmm. keep working. Yeah. Smaller, smaller residencies until something bigger happens and i mean you're at a point in your life like you said you have your parents as your home base that's lucky is that where your mail sent oh yeah (laughs) because that is the hardest part about hopping residencies it's like ah damn it gotta change my address again um financially like how do you make this work like how does somebody not have consistent income but yet has the opportunity to jump around um i haven't paid rent in like five years okay there we go so like (laughs) that's a big thing penland was um I mean, I paid for housing when I was a work study, but yeah. the core fellowship, which was two years, um, I wasn't paying rent. Yeah. Um, you ain't paying to be at Pentaculum because you're my assistant. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I have jewelry sales. I have five, I think I have six locations now that Stock do retail. Stockless. Yeah. Nice. Um, and so that's um, a few hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently I haven't had a lot of expenses, so it's just a matter of... Um, living cheap. I will say that does also speak to your lifestyle because you're just like a minimal guy. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not, um, I'm all u- utilitarian, I guess. I don't really have much expenses other than, you know, gas to get to the next, next place. Yeah. Food, yeah. cigarettes, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all went in cl- uh, the studio the other day we did an introduction like hey I'm Sarah Rachel Brown I live in Philadelphia I'm here and then you know icebreaker like what's your favorite snack and Brian said cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> and I started laughing so hard oh man that's I, I gotta make sure my mom doesn't hear this oh she, no she, would, she wouldn't like that oh sorry Brian's <laughs> mom I swear he's not a chain smoker <laughs> um so oh hello my computer just said something to me um so then afternoon in Mexico, where are you going? Uh, I'm going to try out Houston. Um, I've never been there before, but I have a friend that's moving there and I'm going to go with him and um, it'll be cheaper to do it. Spl- splitting rent two ways and um, yeah, I'm just going to go try it out. Uh, do you mind if I ask like the residencies that you've applied for and didn't get this past year? Yeah. Um, Sorry. I wish I had a list in front of me. Oh my God, that many. Well, I think I applied to 10 in the last six months. Wow. And I didn't get any of them. Oh, you've already heard back from all of them. Yeah. So while I was at, while I was in Mississippi, there was a lot of, a lot of applications Mm. that I was working on. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Um, do any of these places that you haven't gotten it, do you ask for feedback? Like, cause your work is solid. Um, so the question for me is like, what are these places looking for? Like, why aren't you getting them? Do you ask about that? I haven't. Um, no, I, I haven't really like reached down about it. I yeah. feel like um, I'll deal with those. I mean, I've been part of selections before, like part of as part of yeah, the fellowship, and I know that 
uh, some of it's more random than um it can be arbitrary in a lot of ways too th- yeah that's what i mean and it's super competitive and it could be yeah. it can be something down to the fact that they just need a female over a male right now yeah it's hard not to take it personally but i'm doing my best to to take rejection well and just keep keep doing it well it'll make you a better artist in the end it's like if if you well, always yeah, get everything so. that you apply for like you know <laughs> yeah yeah. That w- no, that sounds great. I'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, never mind, actually. Yeah. I don't want the silver lining. Give me all the things. Yeah. Um, so, and you're moving down to Houston, Houston Center for Contemporary Crafts down there. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of your, are you pulling another Penland 2.0? Like, this is where you want to be, so you're going to move closer to it kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I would love to do the Houston Center for Contemporary Craft residency. They have, uh, they have a bunch of different lengths. There's like a, Mm-hmm. three month and a six month and a nine month and yeah i like year. how they do yeah. that which seems great and um i've had a lot of friends who have done that residency and spoken very highly of it so um that's part of it but there's also a lot of arts organizations there there's mm-hmm. um there's a lot of money that is put in to support the arts there so yeah um, i think there's a lot of outlets to be uh explored when yeah. you get there um, I've been told that that there's a lot of collectors that live in Houston. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of money there and they s- Yeah. I mean know. I've heard all of that but um having not been there I'm kind of just looking to get off the East Coast and s- s- have maybe have some some new life experiences and just yeah. try out yeah, yeah, try out a new city. Switch it up. And you know, the other thing too um I wanted to mention this out loud cuz I think no one really talks about it but like I was thinking about applying for the Haystack residency, mm-hmm. right? They do like a two week yeah, open um, studio. Open studio, and it's always funny when you have people that have done it or applied to it, and you're, they're your friends. They're like, "Oh, oh, make sure to mention this in your application because that's what they're looking for." Like that oh. happens a lot. Yeah. Um. I mean, even with the residency at Aramont, you know, yeah. like a big component of it is teaching, mm-hmm. and people advise me like, "Hey, if you want that residency, you better be up for teaching because it's yeah. a big part of it, and talk about it in your application." Yeah. Um. But a lot, I was, lot of research involved in any application. Yeah, you. I like that's the thing I always. I think is great to impart or share in that regard is if students maybe listening or people that want to get into residencies and try it out is just talk to people, research who's been yeah. there before, reach out to them and ask, and you'd be surprised how much that can really give you a leg up during the application process. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian. So you're going to keep hopping around. I'm mm-hmm. so happy to see you. <laughs> Thanks um, for having me back. Yeah. Year three. Yeah, year three, going strong. There's this funny moment um, when you came to visit me in Philly, because you're one of the first people I told about this podcast idea. Mm. And, you know, in the beginning, so people either loved the idea or other people were like, you know, asking people about money or their private lives like that's pretty that makes people vulnerable we don't Mm -hmm. really you know maybe not everybody's gonna want to talk to you and they're not but yeah you were one of those people I remember there was like a night we'd had like a pizza party and we're sipping whiskey on my couch or something and I remember you just being like you need to do this and you have to do it soon yeah I'm I'm glad you are doing this I think it's huge yeah it's gonna gonna be a really valuable tool for students and educators and people trying Mm -hmm. to start a career and yeah well I just wanted to like take a moment and thank you because I had yeah. the equipment and I had even recorded <laughs> some interviews but yeah I was just frozen like I was too scared to move forward with it because yeah. I didn't have the confidence to make it happen that's what friends are for 
Oh, Brian, you're the best. Yep. Um, so anything else you want to say? Anything you want to plug? They know where to find you on Instagram, Brian Parnham. That's P-A-R-N-H-A-M. Um, you got a website? Yeah, it's just my name. You got it. Yeah. I gotta dot, put com. That, dot com. I'm going to put it in the description of the podcast. So everybody will be able to find you and check out your work and see what you're doing. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you list your stock list on your website so people can find where to buy your work? No, I don't have it on there yet. Um, but you can find it through like Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're out there. Yep. All right. Well, thank you. All right, y'all. This has been another episode of Perceived Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with you, artists. You just said broadcast. Oh, geez. Brian is that guy that always catches me saying things wrong. Did I say broadcast? Yeah. Damn it. It's just, a podcast. Just say, just say it again. You can, you can edit it. <laughs> this has been another episode of Perceived Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with artists. Is that better? Yep. All right. Until next time. Perceived Value is a podcast recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as at Perceived Value. Stream us directly from our website at perceivedvaluedpodcast.com or listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks for listening.